0: Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast. I'm Jenny Plant and I'm on a mission to help account managers understand the agency business and develop an entrepreneurial mindset in their role so they can show up as a commercially aware advisor to their clients rather than a reactive order taker. Welcome to episode 107. If you've ever wondered if you're pricing your agency's services in the right way, then this episode is for you. Alfie Wenner-Guillem joins me and he shares why agencies don't lose pitches on price alone, how agencies price to ensure a healthy profit margin, the typical mistakes agencies make when pricing, and some really useful tips for account managers and project managers When scoping projects and so much more. We literally get straight into the good stuff. So you might want to grab a pen because you could benefit from taking some notes. I'm delighted to have Alfie with me today. Alfie is managing partner for Cactus, Europe's leading corporate advisory and growth consultancy for agencies. In his role at Cactus, Alfie advises agencies about profitability and financial management, and he also works with the M&A team on financial due diligence. Alfie is a certified chartered accountant with over 15 years commercial finance experience. He's counseled senior leaders in global PR agencies such as Edelman and Weber Shanwick, and he recently ran an excellent webinar all about pricing and profitability for agency owners. And that was held in the Agency Nomics community. So if you're an agency owner and you're not a member, come and join it because the value he delivered was phenomenal. And I'd like to dive into this topic with him today. So, Alfie, a huge warm welcome to you.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Great intro, by the way. Thank you.
0: <laughs> an absolute pleasure. You're totally well deserved. So, I'm going to get straight into the good stuff because I know everyone will get value from talking to you. So, let's start with a quote taken from your webinar. You said, when agencies lose pitches or bids, 90% of the time, the client isn't saying no to your price. They're saying no, because you've not demonstrated the value. So can you talk to me about why agencies don't demonstrate the value and why that's so important? Okay. Well, good question.
1: Let me answer the importance of value and then I'll go back to why I think they don't demonstrate it, if that's okay.
0: Hey, absolutely.
1: Okay. So When you say the word value, you know, you associate that word with importance, with benefits, with usefulness. And when you put it into the context of a client agency relationship, value is the answer to the client's why. So why should they work with your agency as opposed to the thousands out there? Why should they retain you as their agency? And when times are tough, why should they keep funding your budget as opposed to putting it somewhere else? All those questions are answered with the value that you offer. So demonstrating that value is super important. And every business has got limited resources and every business assigns or or uses those resources based on the return on investment. So the benefit they get from whatever they allocate that resource to. So in order for an agency to be able to benefit from the resources of a client, the client has to see the value in spending with you. So circling back to the other part of the question of why agencies don't demonstrate it, crazy, but first of all, I think some agencies just don't really understand it themselves. They don't really know the value, the true value that they offer clients. And you can't demonstrate something that you don't know yourself. So it's something I think as simple as just a crazy, random example, let's say it's a web development agency and a client says, I want you to build a website, gives you a brief and all of that stuff. And if the response of the agency is to say, okay, fine, yeah, I can build you the website, here's the draft, this is what it'll look like, then they're not really demonstrating value. They need to understand more. They need to dive deep into why the client wants that website. What is the benefit of that website to the client? How are you placed as an agency to deliver that benefit to the client? So go above and beyond what you see in the brief to demonstrate why they should give you that work, right? What is the real Problem they're trying to solve by asking you to build a website. All these things are how you demonstrate value. And unfortunately, some agencies don't really understand what their value proposition is to, to start off with. And then also, I feel in some cases they don't really know how to get to the core of the problem. So, like I just said, you you're trying to build a website, and they think the problem is that the client doesn't have a website. No, the problem might be the client is trying to improve their brand awareness, or they're trying to get more clients, that is the real problem. So how can you solve that problem? How can you demonstrate that you're the best person to solve that real problem, not just to build a website? Because if all you're demonstrating is that you can build websites, yeah, there are a thousand other agencies that can do the same thing. Why are you any different, right? So you need to demonstrate that value. And yeah, some some agencies don't know how to get to the core of the problem. So they'll read a brief, and probably just look at it on a surface level, but they don't dive deep to understand it more. And then I think in some cases, the value proposition might just not be there. So it is as important to know what clients or what types of work to go for, or not to go for as it is to know what to go for, because value is subjective. So yes, you offer an excellent service, you're great at what you do, but it just doesn't align with certain clients. So in that case, it will be hard to demonstrate the value because it doesn't apply in this case. And the harder you try, the worse you look because to them, it's just going over their heads, they don't get it. So I think aligning your value with the client is super important. So if they're not demonstrating it, it could be that, yeah, it's just it's just the wrong client for you. Yeah, you know? so yeah.
0: Okay. So I love the way you explain things so clearly. So I'm hearing two things. If I was to summarize and tell me if this is right or wrong. So what you're saying is the agency itself needs to have a value proposition. Why are you different? What piece of the market are you going for? What type of client should you be working for to enable you to qualify out any wrong potential prospect? And then the other thing is to understand the value of your services. So in order to do that, we've got to get under the skin. It's not just we're going to do a website. It's what's the business problem that this is fixing for you? Is it to get more clients? Is it to get more leads? Is it to make more money, et cetera? So tell me, with this agency value proposition, where have you seen an example or can you think I'm putting you on the spot a little bit? You know, if someone says, oh, I've got a feeling that we understand our value in terms of the services, but actually... Why are we different? Why do clients come to us? What's our value proposition? Where would you start to kind of formulate what's right for you?
1: So, I've, yeah, of course, having worked for those big agencies you mentioned, Weber Shandwick Edelman, I've seen a lot of good demonstrations of value from these agents. They're pros. They've been around ages. You know, you don't grow to that size by not demonstrating value. So I have seen a lot of it. I think what I will say is it starts from, let's say you get a brief, right? It starts from the prep work leading up to the pitch, as an example, right, where you get to demonstrate your work. So sometimes you get agencies that will, you know, just a few people get in a room and then uh, respond to an RFI, but getting the right people, the appropriate skill sets in the room, so getting everyone who's involved from strategy to creatives to the client services team in one room to kind of, again, get to the core problem of that brief is super important because if you get only one group to address a whole brief, they're only going to see it from their point of view. So the value they bring or their understanding, how they comprehend what other people do. You kind of need to bring everyone to the table to say, okay, this is what we're seeing like, how do we address this? What is the problem? How, from your point of view, blah, blah, blah. so from the prep stage, you get a full like, 360 view of the problem and a 360 view of the solution from everybody's point of view. And you put a very solid body of work together when you're going to do a bit. And then at that point it is about, again, demonstrating that you've got the, you understand what the client's problem is. And you're then saying, okay, we've got the skill sets in all different areas to address that problem. Where possible, quantify the problem and quantify the solution. So the impact of that problem that you've discovered and probably not even just that problem, but potential problems that could arise from that one issue, if, if you know what I mean, if you can highlight those quantify it to say, okay, it could cost you this much. And it doesn't have to be, you know, in financial terms, it could be reputation, it could be anything else. This is what that problem is. This is what that problem could lead to and become. Now the solution here, this is how we plan to do it. This is how we're the best people to address this problem, right? And then very important to always have, you know, creds. So we've, we've done this work before, These are the people we've done it for. This is what happened on the back of it. And yeah, that way you're demonstrating the value. And again, where you can quantify it, it helps sell, like I talked about in my webinar, the whole value pricing thing. The key word in value pricing is value. So once you've demonstrated, if you don't demonstrate the value in a unique way, then it will be hard to say, okay, it will cost you this much because you're just the same as everybody else, if you're not demonstrating anything different, so why should I pay you more? But when you demonstrate that, you know, unique ability to address the real core problem, then it sets you apart from everybody else. And if you're asking for this much, that's why we're paying you that much because you're doing something unique. You've actually seen past the brief we gave you and the problem that was in that brief. And you told us a whole different thing that we weren't even thinking about. And you told us how you're going to address it you know, why wouldn't they pay you?
0: So, yeah. Very nice. That's really good tips, actually. I love, you know, quantify the problem and then quantify the impact of the problem and then maybe throw in the mix the opportunity cost of not fixing the problem, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden they're starting to think in their language, which hopefully is is about their business impact and business problem. So you mentioned value pricing and obviously I want to get into this, but can you just give us a top line of the different ways that agencies can price their services to ensure that they do make a profit. Because that's why we're yeah. in business, isn't it? Really?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately, some people forget that and they think it's yeah. just all about the good work. But yeah, we are out to make a profit. So there are different ways to price. The agencies that price, you know, based on hours, the agencies that price fixed fee, value pricing, like you talked about in your brilliant article you wrote a few days ago. You can price retainers, dynamic pricing, all different models. But you know what, I think a lot of people get hung up on that type of pricing. And they almost, in most cases, kind of box themselves in and go, okay, we only price retainers, or we only price fixed fee, or we only this, only that. I think the more important thing is to understand the concepts and the fundamentals of pricing. And that way, you can be more creative with it. You can mix and match different types of prices you can you know from the situation determine the best approach to go with in terms of pricing but you have to understand how to price you have to understand the fundamentals of pricing because you know as much as i love the concept of value pricing and when when you're able to value price the benefits in terms of increased margin and all that i've seen agencies that price purely on hours. And they are more profitable than some that you know claim to only value price or fixed fee price. Because it's not about... It's, the method is important, yes, but it's not just that. There are other factors that determine whether it's profitable or not. And the truth is, in some cases, the client just doesn't give you the opportunity to price any other way but a certain way. So it could be They insist they want it hourly or it's a retainer job or, you know, you propose, oh, I want to base this on results and they say no, (laughs) you know. So this is why I think understanding how to price and the fundamentals of pricing is way more important than kind of, you know, boxing yourself into this method, that method, that method. Because if you understand how to price, you can use anyone depending on the situation. So, yeah.
0: So my natural question is, how do you price? What are your principles? Yeah.
1: yeah. So the main thing, the core thing is understanding your cost base, because a lot of the time I'll speak to agency founders or, or leaders or whatever, and I will say, oh, okay, how, what's your, how do you charge? And they go, oh, we charge this way or that way, or this is the price for this service or that service. I want to ask, okay, how did you get to that price? So it might be a good price. Maybe not. I don't know, but explain to me how you got to that price for this service. And they'll go, we've done it, you know, in the past or, you know, uh, a similar agency or we, we, we read a benchmark report or something. Right. And when it comes to pricing, pricing is such a unique thing in the sense that you could have two agencies that are doing the same uh, EBIT or revenue, but their cost bases are completely different. And the reason for that is what you pay your staff might be completely different to another agency same size as you same location everything else and your overheads might be a lot more than that agencies because they might not have an office for example or they don't have big travel costs whatever the case is you can't just go by you know someone else's rates or or pricing methods because the cost base is different so first things first is understanding your cost base and then understand how to allocate margins based on that cost base, and with that you get to a price method. So whether it's rate cards you're trying to work on, that's the principle. Whether it's you know fixed fee models, whether it's even value pricing. As much as you know, I think the thing a lot of people don't understand the real concepts of value pricing. Either ways, you still have to understand your cost base because you could charge you know, let's pick a random number like 300,000 for a piece of work and think you've done something great. But if in reality, it costs you 200, 250, 300 to deliver that work, you haven't value priced, you're actually not making a profit. So you have to really understand your cost base. That's the first thing and then understand margins. And with that, you can form the basis of any pricing method and apply it to, you know, the appropriate type of work. Because again, not every work requires the same type of pricing for example if you're a pr agency and you do crisis work for example good luck trying to value price crisis because you don't know what's going on they just get you on board so you'll have to use a different form a different method of pricing but once you understand the core of it you can come up with your own pricing strategy and apply that to whatever situation you find yourself in
0: Very useful. So could we just do a a quick calculation based on, you know, some hypothetical project for a hypothetical digital marketing agency of average size, you know, with 3 million turnover that's in the UK, just for those listening so that they could maybe think through the steps? Because you've said, you know, what's your cost base? How much are you paying people? What's your overhead, like your offices? Mm -hmm. And then you want to allocate the margin. And you said, Each agency is different because they'll have a different EBIT, which is the profit margin, and different revenue. But let's just suppose, and then mm-hmm. if you could walk us through an example, is that would that be okay?
1: Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. So let's say for me, pricing as much as again, people don't really like the hourly and this, that, and the other. I feel like the rate card, as far as agencies are concerned, and the reason I say this is because agencies are people businesses; they are based on. Even if you're not selling time directly, time is the limiting factor. So everything needs to fit within, you know, you have, you've only got 24 hours in a day, you've got seven to eight hours to work, right? So everything is around time. So for me, I think the foundation of pricing is to start off with a rate that is profitable for your agency. With that, you can then apply it to other, you know, pricing methods. So Let's take your hypothetical situation, right, where you've got a project for whatever client, and you're trying to price that piece of work. Now, if you've got a rate card that is profitable, i.e. that rate card covers your staff cost, it covers your whatever staff-related costs you've got, it covers your overheads, and you've got a margin on it. So that amount could be £350, right? an hour for a particular person, let's take a director or or an MD, whatever, 350 pounds. So that 350 is saying within that 350, if that director works X amount of time in the year and charges 350, you're covering that person's staff cost, you're covering a portion of the company's overheads and you're making a margin on it, 350, right? So if at all you wanted to do hourly based, you can use 350 and you know exactly how much margin you get. If you wanted to do a fixed fee, you would take that 350, work out again, like I described in, you know, having everybody sit at the table and come up with a strategy for delivery. Now, if you know the time it will take everyone to deliver the work and you apply each person's rate, you can come up with a fixed fee amount. So now you've got hourly that you can just build direct that 350 because it's got the margins you want in there. You've got a fixed fee by using that and the time it will take to deliver, plus a bit more, of course, to come up with a fixed fee. Same thing, retainers take the monthly delivery and apply that profitable rate. You can get a retainer throughout. And for me, that's how you price using any method. But again, that cost base and that whole calculation that I just you know mentioned has to be done. And it needs to be reviewed every single year, because what happens every year is that your costs change right you 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 promote people people get pay rises things get expensive you know rent and overheads and stuff so that cost base changes so you need to keep revising it you won't believe the number of times i've spoken to agencies that say oh we've been working with such and such client for like 10 years and we've never reviewed the rates how <laughs> you know so yeah. um yeah so that that would be my approach to pricing profitably
0: We're not great, are we, at this stuff? We really are, in general. So I want to ask the question, where do... Because thank you for explaining it, first of all. That was really lovely, lovely explanation. Where do agencies go wrong? You've said, you know, put up your rate card because your costs change. You've also said, work out how long it takes you. So both of which, I presume that sometimes it goes wrong. Like, we don't know how long it's going to take or... We're not doing the reconciliations of previous projects, so we, we're we not sort of updating how many hours. It, yeah. What other ways do people self-sabotage? Yeah.
1: The first thing I would say is undervaluing themselves and the work, right? Mm. Because there's this limiting belief that a lot of agencies and agency founders have, you know, that, you know, either... Oh, we're too small to be charging that, or the client is gonna say no, or is the work you know worth that amount, that sort of stuff. That is the beginning of the end, because if you think that way, you'll price that way. So, first of all, when they undervalue themselves, right, they price accordingly because that's what makes people just they know as an example that this project will take three months. And it will take all these people doing this work for this much, and therefore it should cost this much. But when they see the price, they'll go, oh, that's way too high. The client's never going to go for that. And they'll discount it without the client even asking for a discount. I've seen that millions of times, right? Because they're undervaluing the work, you know, they're they're undervaluing the value that they bring to the client. So that's one part where that's the first part they go wrong, because, yeah, you could have the best. Team, if you're not pricing it properly, you're going to have problems. And then the second thing is, I think that bit I mentioned before of kind of pricing in silos, because if you know what the brief is, but you're one person, say the client services team or with the project managers or whoever are the ones who are pricing this, then you're alienating other people who are going to actually deliver on it, like the creatives. So one common theme I see in agencies is them going, oh, the project was going great, but the creatives, you know, they over the project or, you know, they, they went too high, they did this, did that. In most cases, yes, maybe they went a bit OTT as creatives love to do, but the reality is they probably weren't allocated the right amount of budget so that they, they weren't priced into the work properly so it doesn't matter what they did you were always going to be out of pocket so that pricing in silos is a big issue because you know you're assuming that it will cost this much for people to do it without consulting those people so i think that's a big one and then i think not having you know the lack of a good pricing methodology is also an issue so again if you ask someone well how did you come up with that price and they can't tell you that's a big problem you know when you price and then you know you scope a project the two need to align right it needs to show that this scope is based on this budget so you have to have a good method for coming up with that price. So your your budgeting method needs to have a system. So some people just don't have that. And that's why, you know, they, they run into problems.
0: Who do you think should be responsible for pricing in the agency?
1: I think a relatively senior level and above so for example account directors depending on you know people's responsibilities because in certain agencies you'll find an account manager doing what an account director does in a different place so you know generally speaking a level of seniority and like understanding so i would say you know say for example an account director and above project managers need to be involved because they've seen a lot of different projects happen obviously the client services team the people delivering finance need to have a level of overview, you know, and if if it's a small agency that doesn't have a finance person, then maybe someone on the leadership team. But if you do have a finance team, finance need to be involved because there are many questions that from a commercial standpoint, that the account managers or project managers or, you know, whoever don't really think about. And then it just takes a finance person to go, oh, did you have you considered such and such and such? Or have you factored this in? And it just changes a budget instantly, right? Or even if it's just, you know, many agencies still use, you know, Excel sheets and things like that, even if it's just to double check the formulas are picking up, right? Because I remember working in an agency once and, you know, the budget nearly went out for say it was 250,000. But it was just some of the cells weren't picking up in the totals, so it should have been four fifty. But the last two cells weren't picking up, so that could have gone out for a much less, you know, amount. So finance, it'd be all, you know, someone with some commercial background needs to be part of that pricing process. So yeah,
0: but that would be the kind of thing that I used to do. Yes <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't me in a spreadsheet, so great advice. pricing is very subjective. Don't assume and don't undervalue yourself and don't price in silos and Actually, what you're describing is almost like having a committee of people that would input on the price to make sure that once it goes out the door goes to the client that everyone's signed it off so that's Absolutely. that's a really good belt and braces approach. I mean, going back a step, you mentioned earlier on the different types of pricing, and you said. Mm-hmm you know, good luck with pricing a crisis management project based on value, which I thought was a great point. Do you have any kind of, for those listening that maybe they just use one type of pricing and they don't use that kind of flexibility and toolbox of different types? Do you have any kind of observations about the types of projects that fit better pricing Mm -hmm. methodologies?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, I think I, I I might have mentioned this in one of the points I was I was talking about. Sometimes the pricing methodology is dictated by the clients. It is in their contract. So I've within the big agencies I work for, they always had a healthcare uh, practice, and a lot of healthcare clients. I don't know why seem to just love that hourly pricing, so they'll insist on it you know, and even in the RFI, they'll ask you for your rates, you know, and if you want to insist that you only value price, good luck to you, you're not in the running, right? So there's certain things that the clients dictate. But outside of that, if you've got a product that is, the delivery is almost identical every single month, a retainer is perfect for you, because once you've priced it properly for the first month, that is the right amount for every single month right so if that's the type of agency you have and the kind of service you deliver then you might want to look at retainers you know but again like i said review it every single year because the cost will change so a retainer might suit in in that case if you're doing something that is complete which happens a lot of the time with certain agencies they don't even know what they want you for (laughs) they know they want to work with you they've got an idea and, you know, as and when they'll just tell you what they want and such, then you could actually do something like get a, like a pot of money, if you want to put it that way. And then you say to them on a, on a project by project basis, I'm going to scope based on this and then we'll eat away at that. Right. So I'll give you a fixed fee for this project and that pot that we've airmarked, that budget we've airmarked will then assign, and this is a strategy I advise agencies to always use at the end of the year, because at the end of the year, you find a lot of clients that have held tight to budgets, but they're trying to spend that budget at that point. So that's a good strategy to say to them, is like, okay, fine, we can bill you for X, Y, Z amount, And as and when you know what to do with the money, you get a brief, you know, you know, you get more insight into what you need from us, we'll draft you a scope accordingly, and then we can take it out of that. And then when we max it, you get another budget, and we do it that way, right? So that's another example. Or if it's something where the service is purely, say, like a consultancy type service, or like I said about the crisis management things, where you know law firms and other professional services still use time, and it works perfectly because if the again, if the rates have got substantial margins in them, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, people like to put hourly pricing down, but sometimes you have, like, it's, it is the solution, right? So you could even apply that to the earlier description I gave. Well, there's a pot of money you can, if you've got very healthy rates, you can then erode that earmarked amount till you max it out, and then they get more. You're still making a margin with, as long as you don't over-service, because, of course, pricing is only one side of the equation. You then have to execute, you have to deliver, right? And then fixed fees, if you've got, you know, standalone projects, and you know you've got clear visibility of what the brief is what it is you're looking to deliver the fixed fee approach is a good one to use in that example because then you can take again all of the people involved work out how much they'll require to deliver and then price it accordingly and you know hand that fixed fee amount over to a client you know value pricing depending on how you define value pricing but if you wanted to do based on outcomes then it needs to be something where, one, you're able to have direct influence on that outcome. And then two, you've got visibility of the outcome, right? And then you can you can value price because it, you put value price on, you know, results. Because if not, then it will be a huge issue if, you know, the client turns around and goes, oh, okay, well, you said this and this and this and this were going to happen. It didn't happen you're not getting your money, but it really wasn't your fault. It wasn't, it was out of your control. So again, it just learned to mix and match and pick the things that are appropriate to the service offering. So yeah. So those I are some that, examples of the types.
0: And thank you for sort of illustrating that because I think it's really useful for everyone listening to this. I think, you know, when value pricing is possible and the clients agreed and you've really signed a very tight contract where both parties are delivering on what they said they were going to do. It can work really, really well. Conversely, as you just described, I had an example of a a guy who I met, an agency owner, who had negotiated a value-based price, but it was for a car dealership. And it was based on the client end of the bargain was the fact that they were going to do X amount of activity. But what happened was they weren't recruiting the right amount of salespeople who were able to even get to those kind of selling numbers, mm. which influence sales. And therefore, you know, it wasn't really fixed to start with, you know. And so you're right, there's, I think a really strong contract has to be in place For that to work. Have you seen any trends, Alfie? Because the article that you were referring to earlier on, I've seen a trend where more and more agencies are moving to more kind of deliverable, sort of rather than bespoke. You know, they have a list of deliverables, products, programs with the margins built in, and then they're selling more of, you know, a big selection of different types of products and programs versus. For every different scope, they're scoping it out from scratch and putting a number of hours. Are you seeing any trends?
1: Yeah, so you're right. So you're talking about productization, right? Yeah. So they're actually selling their services as products. That is definitely something I've seen a lot of, which in all honesty, I think it works well if you get it right. But again, if you go through that process and miss a few steps, then... That could be massively detrimental because what you're taking away from the team or from the agency is the flexibility to adapt your service right you're saying this is the price and this is the service so yeah i'm seeing some of that i think from a pricing perspective i'm also seeing a lot of talk about um algorithmic pricing so machine learning type thing which i think will be brilliant if again First of all, it will require a lot of data. So if agencies aren't capturing that data, it'll be very difficult. But that, to me, I think that's the most interesting thing that I'm seeing from a trend perspective and I hope actually catches on. I'd actually love to be involved in one of those projects because I just got so many ideas on what to do with it. But it's, yeah. Can, can, you, it's ex- like, can you
0: describe it in more detail for, for those sure, I haven't sure. heard of it? So it would be lovely for right. you to explain right. it. Right.
1: So it is using AI help with pricing so it is sort of collecting all these different data points from you know work that's been performed from kind of like industry standards and then it's coming up with a price that is appropriate for the work that you're delivering so you know all the things i talked about and how you would need to figure it out yourself you know people kind of like coming up with ai to kind of work those things out which again if done properly, I think could be could be brilliant.
0: Wow. So they're sort of taking internal data from companies who price external data from sort of a client's appetite for what they'll pay and then mashing it all up and giving you some answers.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that could be really like, you know, a game changer in terms of, you know, coming up with the appropriate price. Of course, you still need people's intuition and thoughts, but still like having that is, it will be a powerful tool.
0: Even I was, I was thinking a step before that is it would be great to use AI tools in some way, just to look internally at, you know, reconciliations, how much time do we actually spend versus how much time, you know, and with that data, I don't know how much you could scrape together from the last years. Surely that would inform you to a certain extent. I don't know if you know, you know, do people do that manually? generally how do people reconcile are they generally good at doing that
1: they're not (laughs) generally speaking (laughs) no they're not why am i not surprised (laughs) because that's another thing where so part of this algorithmic pricing is that it will factor in you know the reconciliations of previous ones to come up with you know the right price because yeah a lot of people don't reconcile so they'd have done a a project let's say a fixed fee project over service the hell out of the project next time they come and price a similar thing they'll use exactly the same price you know without reconciling to go back and this is a funny one where not only do they use the same, but I've actually seen people use the same template. So it's like identical to what they did before, even though it didn't work and they just replicated it again. <laughs> so of course the outcome is going to be the same or worse as it was before. So, do you know, yeah. in fairness,
0: we've both been there and that's why we're laughing. It's because we've been there a million times. There's no time, is there? Like no one's yeah. got any time. It's We are generally a very reactive industry we have to be that's the nature of the beast to a certain extent and it is hard to do absolutely everything particularly if you're down people you know and you've got a pitch opportunity and but what i wanted to ask you was we have a lot of agency account managers obviously and i would love to hear from you kind of some top tips for account managers particularly to be aware of or to do differently to help make sure we're protecting profit? Like, what do you see typically that that happen that with easy fixes, we could tighten up our profit margins?
1: Yeah, yeah. So as far like where account managers are concerned, a lot of the time, they just don't think commercially. It's not their go-to thing, right? They're great at what they do in terms of service delivery and whatever type of agency it is, but that commerciality is not, you know, it doesn't come to them intuitively. So something I would say to definitely get right first and foremost is what we've been talking about, you know, all this time is the pricing, like to understand the pricing. If you when you talk about profitability, pricing is the quickest and most effective way to impact profitability because everything else, there's sort of like a a limit to, for example, how many. People you can fire if you wanted to improve profitability, right? And then, you know, overhead, how many can you possibly cut before you don't even have an agency anymore? But pricing is something you can impact today. You can, you can change that. And you know, whatever you make above and beyond what you're doing now is going straight to the bottom line. So I think one key thing that the account managers need to understand and get right is the pricing. Then from pricing, you move to scoping, right? To protect that profit. You can have the best pricing on earth, right? If your scoping isn't there, you've almost wasted your time, right? So pricing, scoping, and then we talked about reconciliation, looking back to see what has happened and improve on it so you don't make the same mistakes you made last time. That's a big thing. And then I think communication, both internally and with the client. So if anything is changing, we talked about how, you know, for example, if the creatives have got some work to do on this project. If it looks like they're going to over-service, that communication needs to be there so you can, you know, change what you need to change or extend the budget or whatever it is, you know. So communication is a big piece. And then from a delivery standpoint, from the account manager's standpoint, is measurement. So, you know, some agencies do this, some don't, some, you know, are averse to it, some aren't, but, you know, time measurement, I'm a big advocate for I think that impacts profitability in a huge way because if you're charging X amount, again, you could have done all the steps right. You could have priced it properly. You could have scoped it properly. You could have the best communication within the agency. But if you're not measuring what you're doing, I think you're then opening the doors to scope creep and over-servicing and ultimately eroding your margins. So those are the things I think you know, account managers need to focus
0: on. Very nice. There was a question at the end of your webinar. I think it was a lady from a copywriting agency. She asked a brilliant question. I can't remember the exact way she said it, but she said, for some clients, we always seem to not be pricing it correctly. And, you know, they ask for extra things and all of a sudden we're in a scope creep situation and i don't know if you remember what you said but i do and i thought this is a good tip for account managers during the scoping process can you remember like what's really key when you're coming up with the scope what do you include to try to mitigate against scope yeah print?
1: yeah i remember that actually you? now that you say it yeah, yeah i do but so it was like when you've done the scope and you've done all the things i've just talked about within the scope always include the assumptions and the exclusions. So, if I'm coming up with this price, what are the things that mean that I'm delivering to this price? So, if it's 20,000, what are the assumptions that led to that 20,000, right? And then, so for example, if it is based on me reviewing the work three times with like you, the client, having two reiterations, whatever it is, all of those assumptions that were part of your budgeting process need to go into the scope because if the client starts to ask for more and you know they're being more demanding or this that or the you can always refer back to the scope which has all your assumptions and your exclusions and go okay when we priced this was what it was based on right we both signed we both agreed if you want this extra stuff, that is out of scope. So we need to price that separately. And that wording can actually be in your scope of work, right? So it can be a difficult conversation if you haven't done these things and done them properly. And that's what account managers face is they feel, can't go back to the client and, you know, ask for more. But if you got a scope that clearly states what you were doing for the money you were charging, much easier conversation to go as per the scope. And, you know, The extra bits need to be a separate scope.
0: Thank you. That's golden. And I would just add something to that is Mm -hmm. I think a lot of our clients don't have a lot of time like us and Mm. they don't read the scopes, quite frankly. They just might get a document and don't even read it. So, again, for the account management process, it's to actually take the time to talk through yeah. visually what's in scope, what's out of scope, what the yeah. assumptions are and what the yeah. exclusions are. Like, have a conversation about it because the likelihood is they haven't read it. So when you yeah. bring it up, say, oh, refer back to the scope, they'll oh, come on, you yeah. know, and then that creates friction. But if you've done it up front, so... I think account managers, that's a brilliant tip. Thank you. So any other, because I'm conscious of your time, any final pieces of advice that we haven't discussed? Alfie, you've shared so much and I was so pleased that you've shared as much value as what I heard you say the other day. Anything final that you want to say? Any pieces of advice?
1: Yeah, I think we've mentioned most of them. I think if we're talking about, you know, on the pricing side, again, it's just understand, get to understand you know your method of pricing and don't just stick to the one method and try to apply that to everything right adapt to your pricing there's nowhere on earth where it says you have to stick to one method so if you understand how to price you can come up with your own method it doesn't matter no one's going to go oh this isn't fixed fee so forget it or that you know so come up with your own just what works for your agency And then also, I think, to the kind of point that we just touched on now with the scoping and the pricing thing, one tip I will give is, you know, when you're doing your budget as an account manager, just make notes of the things that are going into that budget and your thought process while you're creating that budget. Because what that will form is what you then use in your scope of work, right? Because some people will do a budget and then they'll scope separately without remembering, oh, why was it 10,000? And then, so the scope will look completely different to what the budget was, right? So it could have been 10,000 for, like, you know, I don't know, five pieces of content, for example. When you scope, you put in two pieces of content or whatever it is, right? So make all these notes because they'll form the deliverables and they'll also form the exclusions and the assumptions because that's what sits behind your price, right? So Don't do the two in isolation. They kind of need to go hand in hand. So, yeah.
0: Lovely. Alfie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. If people want to talk to you, who would you like to speak to and what's the best way that they can get hold of you?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'd like to speak to agency founders and leaders who are struggling with profitability or, you know, have got good profitability, but they want to grow profitably or agency leaders or founders who want to implement commercial finance processes because again what happens a lot of the time is agency founders just start an agency and then all of a sudden it's grown but they've never implemented a lot of these processes around you know forecasting or pricing or budgets or all of that sort of stuff so if any founders are in that position, uh, I'd, I'd love to speak to them. And then any agencies looking to train their teams to be more commercially savvy, so learn the fundamentals of agency finance, how agencies make money, the core terminologies that affect agencies, and you know people within the team just knowing what their roles are in. The ultimate goal of the agency, what they need to do and the things they shouldn't do if they're to impact profitability within the agency. So I offer that training as well.
0: Hugely valuable. And where's the best place to reach you? LinkedIn. Unfortunately, I'm not you know, a, a
1: Gen Z person with that many social media platforms. I've just got LinkedIn. So <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be on there.
0: And what's your first name and surname? How do you spell it? I will put it in the notes.
1: Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, it'd have been a miracle if anyone could have spelt my surname easily. So it's Alfie A L F I E and my surname's Wenegame. So it's W E N for November E G I E M for Mother E.
0: Don't worry, so, we'll yeah. put it in the show we'll now, in the so notes. <laughs> <laughs> Alfie, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been great. I've enjoyed this this conversation, as I knew I would.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode with Alfie and please do follow him on LinkedIn as he does share some great pricing and finance tips. And if you're listening to this episode in February 2024, I'm opening enrollments again for my Account Accelerator program that begins on March the 5th. It's a 12 month training and coaching program designed for building an entrepreneurial mindset in your account management team which means having an effective account management and account growth process that's understood and followed consistently by all your account managers in the agency. Having an end-to-end client growth framework from onboarding a client to final delivery, so everyone in the agency knows what to do and when, and you have all the templates and resources to help you implement. And finally, having a proactive client retention strategy, so you can increase the lifetime value of your ideal clients and you don't have to keep feeding your sales pipeline. So if this sounds like it could be of interest, either for you or for someone in your team, you can find all the details on my website and that's where you can book a quick call with me to see if it's a good fit. So go to my website, accountmanagementskills.com and then you can find it on the page account-accelerator. I look forward to speaking to you on the next one.